You there? You hear me? I can, but for whatever reason, you was breaking up badly, but I can hear you. Right. Okay, there we go. You're crystal. All right, I'm ready. All right. Awesome. I'm going to get started. So what's up, my brothers and sisters? I hope you guys are doing well this holiday season. And most of all, I hope you're out here being respectful to your loved ones that you may be able to visit. Or for some of y'all having your Zoom holidays, still being um, respectful over those airwaves. Um, this show, you know, really excited about this one. Um, just thinking about things I'm blessed for. One of the things I'm blessed for this year is is getting back in the podcast game, you know, um, with COVID being home all the time, not really having a whole lot to do. thought it would be a great time to just, just get back into it. And one of the reasons why I say um, get back into it, um, and one of the things I'm blessed to have is the guy that got me in the podcast game to begin with. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, no disrespect, but is in my first rodeo in the podcast world. I actually um, was a co-host on a podcast, sports podcast, I'm called Double Vision. And I have my uh, former partner in crime, uh, Logan Graffia, uh, with me today. And so, Logan, man, um, introduce yourself. Say hi to the folks, my agents of respect. Um, introduce yourself to the folks. Hi, hello, everyone. I'm Logan Graffia. And like Trey said, uh, we had a podcast about two years ago, which I can't believe it was two years ago, 26 <laughs> Almost three years ago, because it was in the summer of 2017, but I'm here on my boy's podcast just to shoot the breeze. I mean, definitely, definitely. And, um, and, and Logan, man, you know, he's he's a big sports guy, and so I have to do him justice, and that's what's going to be the topic of today's show. Um, you know, guys, you know, I like to, to dip my toe in, in, in a bunch of aspects in life, but Sports is back, and we're we're happy for that, man. And um, Logan, kind of wanna, you know, I know you're a big uh, Saints fan. I'm a Saints fan as well, and, and so we actually just experienced a, a quarterback situation that kind of not only reportedly had the locker room and the organization kind of split, but it also had the the fan base split as well. And that being Taysom Hill. Uh, getting the start over James Winston in place of Drew Brees, who's going to probably be on IR for another uh, two to three weeks with severe uh, rib injuries and a collapsed lung. And so, um, you know, the Saints were able to pull out a win against their division rivals um, in, in quite impressive fashion, um, especially on the defensive end. Uh, but I do want to kind of focus on the quarterback uh, first. So, so what were your thoughts um, watching Taysom get his first start, first crack at the quarterback position? Uh, full-time uh, for the New Orleans Saints? I was honestly, I was a little nervous at first. I was because, I mean, it's like everyone said, we haven't seen the guy throw that many passes. I mean, he probably had more. I mean, his completions in the game was probably the amount of passes he's thrown total. And I know I was nervous at first, like everyone else was, but I knew that I wanted Taysom over Jameis Winston. I know everybody – I caught flack for saying that, but, I mean, also you got to remember, the guy's been in the system for almost four years. So I'm thinking 
if they let Jameis be the star, then that just tells me all I need to know about Taysom. But I, I really liked what I saw from him. I mean, he was accurate. He might not throw in a touchdown pass. I mean, technically he did, but it was called back for – I. It, they were called holding, but I don't think it was holding, in my opinion. Big dog. <laughs> <laughs> I really think Taysom really surprised not only me, but I think a lot of people at home. So, I mean, I don't know how many more games Drew's going to be out because, I mean, they say he could be back for the Chiefs game, but I, I really liked what I saw. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I was I was one of those guys that and, – and, and to be honest with you, I'm still more so on the Jameis – um, train and it's it's honestly less about Taysom's ability as a, as a quarterback, which for me, you know, not really seeing him do it at the NFL level, but also um, being a big fan of the Brigham Young Cougars and watching him uh, from his first snap at BYU until his last. Um, I wasn't too impressed uh, from a from a passing standpoint. Um, I liken him more like a Cordell Stewart. Um, I hate using the term gadget guy. It, it seems derogatory in a sense, but I mean, he's a jack of all trades and, and he's an athlete that can do a lot of things for you. And I think, you know, every, every quarterback, every you know young man that grows up playing the quarterback position, he wants that shot to be the guy. Um, but I also think sometimes you have to evaluate where you, where you're making your mark in this league. And, I think him playing exclusively at quarterback um, could hurt us, I think, in, in terms of New Orleans Saints and what they can do and some of the diversity they had offensively. But it also hurts him in a sense where it, it kind of takes a little bit um, what he does great away from him. I mean, you saw it a little bit in terms of when he was just – before we did the quarterback design runs, when he was trying to make you know plays out of the pocket, it wasn't the same. Um, you had more eyes on you being in the backfield as opposed to when he's playing at fullback, tight end, slot wide receiver. He's a little bit more in space. And 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 obviously the defensive backs are scared to hit him, but it's a little bit different um, when you're in that pile with those big boys. And, and even seeing some of those replays where a lot of guys were at his feet and then knowing his history of injuries at BYU – that was just kind of making me a little scared, just, you know, especially seeing what happened to Joe Burrow. You know, a player got low, hit him hard. Um, he's out for the year. And so um was kind of wanting to see how that would affect our offense, which I think um, it started off a little bit slow, but Sean um, started to have a, a better game plan. Um, I hope they never do that wildcat with, with Alvin Kamara again. Uh, I think that was horrible. Um <laughs> And while I was, I was happy to see that the Saints kind of ran some of their similar offense, but I think in that second half, we realized that while we can do that, we still have to sprinkle in some of what makes Taysom Taysom. And so um, I'm excited to see how this is going to last long term. Um, like you said, they're saying Drew might be back for the Chiefs game, but that's just best case scenario. I mean, 11 cracked ribs, a collapsed lung um, for a guy that's not really mobile. Um, that's going to that's gonna be a difficult task to come back from. So um, I just hope the Saints play well enough to where he doesn't feel the need to rush the process and come back. Um, but also one thing that doesn't get talked about with Taysom being our starting quarterback now is not only how it affects us, how it affects us in offensive packages, but how it affects the special teams unit because he was a big component of that. Uh, 
both as a returner, um, as a punt blocker, and as a um, you know, a guy that, that rushed the punter. So um, I was kind of looking forward to seeing how the Saints bounce back with that um, because he's such a big part of what they do on special teams. And and if I don't know if you recall, but the special teams didn't have the the best game. They were probably I would say they were probably they were probably the only kind of that win against the Falcons. They just um, weren't that good. Um, you saw Callaway um, having to come in for Harris because he, you know, he muffed a few punts and things like that. Um, so I think going forward, that's going to be an even bigger thing to see is um, how our special teams unit is affected. Right. <clears throat> I, I know I saw Ty Montgomery replace Taysom Hill on the punt as a personal protector. Well, I mean, also, I mean, for the special teams unit, I don't think taking Taysom off is going to affect it all that much because, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't you don't really see him out there as, like, a returner anymore. I think they did that a few times, like, even last year, even two years ago. Mm-hmm. And the other special teams coordinator, his name escapes me right now, is just kind of like, okay, we're going to do this out there. Maybe if he gets a return, a big return, it'll get everybody hyped and it'll get, create a spark of some sort. So, I mean – Having taken Taysom off of all the special teams, I don't think necessarily affects it all that much. Because I mean, I mean, yeah, he was literally one of the sparks on special teams, but I really think taking him off doesn't really affect special teams that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it takes is for one player to come down on like a punt or something and knock somebody's block block out, just basically just hit stick him and get the whole team hype and all that. So. I don't necessarily think it's going to affect the special teams negatively. I mean, if they would have kept him on special teams while he's playing quarterback, that would have been odd. So that would have been a disaster. That would have been, in my opinion, very awful. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think it's going to affect negatively affect the uh, special teams going forward. I mean, that was the first game he wasn't on all the special teams. So, I mean – I think going forward, the special teams will be fine. All right, definitely, definitely. Um, another big surprise, and I mean, you know, I, I, I titled myself a, a self-proclaimed sports guru because you know, when it comes to to Saints, I mean, a lot of my teams, everybody knows me knows I love the Saints, the Giants, and the Bills, and and I've been seeing you know a lot of disrespect coming the Saints' way, especially from division rivals, and um, if anything, I think that's woken up the defense. Um, you know, being a Saints fan, you know, the defensive unit is hit or miss uh, for us every year. And so, you know, you never know what Saints unit you're going to get. But I think this year has been a lot of consistency, especially with the injuries to the secondary. Um, I know, you know, Sean, Marshawn Lattimore missed his second game of the season. Um, and I'm not sure how his injury is, but he could be missing another one, depending on how he heals up from that. But I think you're starting to see – just a little bit more want to out of this defensive unit. I mean, everybody's flying to the ball. Um, but the team had nine sacks um, last week against the Falcons. Um, they got a lot of pressure against Brady as well uh, when they played them. And so I think a lot of the disrespect the national media um, has shown towards the New Orleans Saints, I think the defense is starting to wake up now. 
Um, they're starting to play like that defense that led the Saints to a five and zero or five and zero record without Drew Brees. And I think you know with Drew getting hurt again and and everybody counting them out, they know they have to step up. Um, especially while you know Taysom gets used to that quarterback role, and we and we kind of design that offense around him as as we go forward. So, um, what did you see from the Saints defense that you know I would say? has you excited for what could be in the postseason? Because, you know, we, you know, the last three years, the regular season has been great. But what are you seeing from them that says, hey, I think this team can actually take it to the distance? Just the way that they're getting to the quarterback, basically. I mean, they're just obliterating. Just, what I saw in that Tampa game a few couple weeks ago, I could not believe it because, I mean, the first time we played Tampa, I know we didn't have a preseason and everything else, but it was just – just seemed like they wasn't really flying to the ball. I mean, yeah, we won, but, I mean, still it looked like they struggled. But then going week, weeks down the line, they were still getting – having blown coverages and just poor, like, tackling. I mean, you yeah. see, you even saw me on Twitter tweet, man, maybe it's time for Dennis Allen to finally go because, I mean – it, what what the heck is he doing? Then, <laughs> then after the bye week, we uh, I'm pretty sure we played Tampa, and then <laughs> Brady could not throw the ball whatsoever, and that was just ridiculous. That week nine actually, it was after about week nine. Uh, I've never seen us play against Tom Brady and him not be able to like score points for his team. Like all those Patriots years, I've never seen us blow Tom Brady out that badly, or even beat him that badly since probably the Super Bowl season, exactly two thousand nine. So, I think also another thing that helps is the addition of Quan Alexander. I've always loved him. Being an LSU fan, of course, I got to watch him when he was in college. Then, of course, I always want the Saints to draft people like that from LSU. <laughs> But basically trading him, I mean, I'm not going to say Kiko Alonso is nothing, but, I mean, he, he's he been hurt for the past two years for us. So basically trading for Kawan Alexander for nothing, I mean, that was just a, bit, a huge plus for the defense because, I mean, I like Anzalone, but Kawan Alexander is just a baller. He's a dog. <laughs> Yeah, and I would say, I mean, one of the things I saw, even though he wasn't able to capitalize on them, you saw the improvement in yeah. coverage from the entire linebacking core. Um, so that allowed us to put um, Davis in more blitz packages uh, where he's been great at. Um, so, I mean, like, Quan basically missed two pick sixes. He almost had – that he could have had last week against the Falcons. And so now having a reliable – pass coverage linebacker that allows, you know, DeMario Davis to continue to move all around the field, um, you know, allow Malcolm Jenkins to roam a little bit more as opposed to having to, to really be a guy you have to put on um, tight ends and whatnot. Uh, one of the big things I'm, I'm excited about this defense is that they're starting to force turnovers. Um, in this league, you have to be able to take the ball away and give your offense as many opportunities as possible. Typically speaking, the team with the most possessions is going to win the game because they have the more the most opportunities to score. And so, um, what we had they had two interceptions uh, last week against the Falcons. Like I said, I mean, Quan could have had two himself. 
um, Jackrabbit dropped to, uh, well, one, he got his yeah. hair pulled, so he could have had three picks himself. So, um, you know, and I'm loving a pass rush. You know, Cam Jordan, he's always going to be the guy, but it's looking like those guys opposite him, the, the Davenports of the world, the the Trey Henderson, who's a tie for the league leading sacks, Hanyamata, wow. um, big boy inside. So it seems like everyone else is getting into it, and, and Cam – doesn't have to be our end-all, be-all if we want to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, and obviously, the Saints have been one of the best, if not the best, run defense in the league for the past three years. So um, it's going to be a tough task to run on them. So their ability, ability to stop the run now, as you pointed out, a reliable pass rush. Um, and then having some depth on the back end, I think. I think, you know, this year or in next year's draft, it may look to still re-up some depth. Um, in the back end, but you know, I think they finally have a collective unit that they can put it all together. Um, offense is going to be offense, uh, again, struggling with the injuries. I mean, one to Drew Brees, but also it seems like every year we're reshuffling the offensive line because somebody's getting hurt. Andres Pete got hurt again with a concussion. I don't know if he's going to be back, um, against Denver. I would probably think not. Um, so. You know, it's the next guy up with that. But I think that's been a tough task for the New Orleans Saints, keeping that offensive line healthy. Um, so hopefully those guys heal up um, come postseason and um, they can make an effective run regardless of who's that quarterback. Because I, I personally think if whether it be Taysom or Jameis comes in, I think if they're playing at a, at a high level and the team's playing at a high level, it wouldn't surprise me if they stick to the hot man. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they stick to the hot man. But but we'll see. Um, but moving on, uh, kind of want to talk about NBA free agency. Uh, I know you're a big Pels fan. I'm, I'm a big Spurs fan. In my team, it was, for me, uh, for my Spurs, it was less about who we signed and who we didn't sign. I was glad we let Brent Forbes and Marco Bellinelli walk. Um, I think that's going to improve them immensely on a defensive end. Um, and we probably can slide DeMar back to that two spot because we had been starting Bryn Forbes the last couple of years, which forced DeMar to have to play the, the small forward, which put him um, in tough defensive situations. And obviously no one's going to argue that Bryn Forbes is some elite defender in the league. And so I think uh, that hurt us defensively. Um, but now, you know, giving the young guys more run. We had a great draft, given getting Devin Vassell and uh, and Trey Jones, who uh, were really defense first guys. They come from defensive minded collegiate programs. Uh, Trey was actually the best defensive player in the ACC, so um, I'm excited about those young guys. And obviously, Dejounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Kelvin Johnson. Um, I think those guys are going to be the future. Obviously, uh, Jakob, we call him Block of uh, Pearl on the back end. I think. If we can find a way to move um, LaMarcus Aldridge for a good pick or something like that, I'll be fine. But, but we'll see. But um, but but tell me about your Pelicans, man. I, I mean, I see that they um, signed, finally signed Brandon Ingram uh, to his contract extension because I've been, um, you know, trying to figure out what the hell is going on because you don't want to take too much time. But but I was happy to see, you know, B.I., you know, he's a fellow – Duke Blue Devil, you know, it's my, my, my college team. So happy to see him get his money in the new start in New Orleans. But but as a Pels fan, you know, how have you been feeling? Um, in there from the draft, free agency, 
and just kind of getting ready for this upcoming season. I'm actually looking forward to the season. I really am. I was looking forward to it last year too, but I'm really looking forward. I mean, going off the draft, Kyra Lewis, because I mean, I always make draft boards like for the Pelicans, like as if I'm picking for them. So I made like a whole draft board and the first name, that I ever put on the board was actually Kyra Lewis. I mean, the first time I saw footage of him, I think is when LSU was playing Alabama last year. And I just couldn't believe how fast the guy was. I mean, the guy was freaking flying like he was Usain Bolt on a basketball. (laughs) So getting him, I was really happy about, because, I mean, that gives us good depth. And he can honestly be a potential starter, I think, if they do so happen to want to move Eric Bledsoe. And getting into that, I mean, it's bittersweet basically trading Drew Holiday, who has been kind of really beloved by this franchise. I mean, every Pelicans fan loves Drew Holiday, everyone. We're sad to see him go, but we're also happy at the same time that he's on a team like the Bucks, who are literally a finals contender as they have been for the past, I think, three years. So sending Drew to a team like the Bucks is bittersweet, but we know he's going to probably be like at least a one seed or two seed in the East and has a chance of at least getting a title finally. Because, I mean, we we love Drew Holiday. He's been a fan favorite for years. But the pieces that we've gotten in that four-team deal, literally a four-team that they said almost turned into like a, a six-team, oddly enough, Getting somebody like Steven Adams, because, I mean, when I first heard the news and I saw that the Pelicans got Steven Adams, I'm like, holy smoke, we just got Steven Adams. Jesus. And because, I mean, I'm not saying Derek Favors is awful, but, I mean, he just was awful <laughs> for the Pelicans this past see, I mean, when he was in the – what I saw in the bubble just looked like, look, I, I'm leaving at the end of the year anyway, so why do I have to play or be here in the bubble? It was like – wasn't motivated. It's just teams was beating us in the paint with when we had Derek Favors at center. I mean, it's just like he was getting out rebound. I mean, there was times he would average a double double. I get that, but it was like you're getting beat every time just because you get like rebound a couple, a few rebounds here and there. I mean, you're not really helping us. You're really kind of hurting us. And they kept bringing out these stats and. Oh, we play better when he's on the court. But from what I saw, it just seemed like he was more like he was in the way than he was helping. But yeah, definitely, man. I think you know, um, just just watching Stephen Adams from mm-hmm. OKC. One thing you're gonna get from him is a guy that you can run offense to from the five position. And I'm not, and I'm not necessarily talking about somebody you post up and, and you go to him for scoring. But his ability to set efficient screens, um, be able to catch the ball um, at the top of the key and kind of dump it down to Zion, things like that, um, and keep the offense moving, I think you're going to get that with him. Um, I was was kind of surprised that they extended him. I think um, it probably would have been best to let him kind of play out his contract a little bit to see how he fits with Zion Um, because obviously um, I thought – Jackson Hayes might get a lot of run, and I still expect him to do so. So, um, so do expect Jackson Hayes to get a lot more run uh, with with um, with Derek Favors and 
and obviously just a little over four moving on. Um, so um, I know he's been working on his jump shot as well. But I think with Stan, I think, you know, working with a guy like Dwight Howard, who no one would confuse as a floor spacer, I think he knows how to utilize his players into the best of their ability. So him coming on as head coach is going to be really great for the development of those young guys. Um, but, you know, I say it all the time, the Pelicans, you know, yes, they have Zion Williamson, who's clearly the, the face of the franchise, and, and Brandon Ingram, who's coming off a, a most improved player, uh, you know, award, as well as his first all-star appearance of many that's going to come. Um, yeah, those guys are going to be great and cornerstones, but I truly believe the Pelicans will go only as far as, as Lonzo Ball can take them. And you saw pre-bubble or pre-COVID that, you know, that win streak they were on was mainly and largely in part because Zion and Joe had started to develop a little right. bit of chemistry. And so, and so if you can allow Lonzo to just orchestrate the offense, just let him be a point guard. Let's not care about shooting hell. He can, if you want to start by saying, hey, he can play, you know, he can start the game, but he may not finish it until he gets better at closing games. Sure, that's fine. But I don't think, you know, his perimeter shooting is really going to be, is that much of a hindrance. It's only become a hindrance because I think uh, coaches have emphasized and made that an em emphasis that they want him to take a lot of jump shots. When you look at it, he's six, 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 seven. He's typically going to have favorable favorable matchups with guards. Utilize that kind of in the mid range and post game, and 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 you can utilize other people that, that can make plays. I mean, you even saw there were times where Brandon Ingram ran point, and it seemed to be a little bit efficient. He had a career high in assists at four, which was uh, which is surprising. I didn't know he averaged that many assists, which is which is really good for him because uh, he's known mostly as a scorer. So you have some guys that can handle the the ball handling duties. Um, but, you know, Zoe, if that's going to be your point guard in the future, like you said, you do have Eric Bledsoe, you do have Kyra Lewis, so those could be the guys they they tend to to deal with moving forward. But I just think, you know, as Zoe, go, as Zoe goes, so will the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think, you know, Stan sees that I mean, his time in, in Orlando where he had his most success, you know, we had phenomenal guard play with, um, Jameer Nelson and, and Skip Tamalu, uh, Ray for Austin. So he knows what it takes. And then if you want to talk about Hito Turgaloo, I honestly think uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Brandon Ingram evolve into that kind of player. Like a Hito Turgaloo, a guy you can run your offense through at the small forward um, position um, and that can stretch the floor. So so I'm excited to see the Pelicans. Um, and, you know, they, they are in this, my Spurs division as well as, as the conference and you know, just as excited as I am with the young players for the Pelicans, I'm I'm excited with the young players for the Spurs. You saw in the bubble that um, they improved immensely on defense by limiting the minutes of Brent Forbes and Marco Bellinelli, uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, DeJounte Murray, um, Derek White, who actually led the bubble in charges taken. So obviously, you know, they're going to do what they have to do on the defensive end. And I think we're finally getting back to Spurs basketball. Um, another thing I loved, especially like in the bubble, um, was the ball movement. I think, you know, bringing LaMarcus Aldridge on board, he's a great player, Hall of Fame talent, but um, he's also a guy that demands a lot of touches. And, and having a guy like that, I didn't think it was conducive to our young guys growing. 
Um, while I wanted the Spurs to be successful and thought they might make the playoffs, I never confused them as being a championship contender last year. And so you wanted to see what these young guys were working with, but I thought there were a lot of times where, where Pop kept them on a short leash or didn't give them minutes at all, and it hurt us. Um, but while we had a great run to try to make it to the playoffs, we fell just short. I, mean, I know we only lost two games in the bubble, so that was really good to see. But um, what I love to see was how DeMar embraced uh, the younger players, something that LaMarcus hadn't shown yet that he can do. And and so I don't know if you know, Logan, but DeMar actually led the bubble in fourth quarter scoring. So I think that's something that can translate over to next season or this season upcoming where you're having some of your younger players take on the brunt of, you know, offense and defensive responsibilities. But when it's winning time, you still have a guy in DeMar DeRozan who's still one of the most prolific scorers in the NBA. And I think that formula, because we don't really have a superstar on the roster, I think that can get us back to what we are as a team. So I'm excited about them. I think the Spurs can be a, a five, four, five seed if they play basketball the right way. I mean, they they lost a lot of games. I think they lost the most games last year going into the full quarter with the lead. So clearly, you know, they had a lot of opportunities to win football games, but some, for some reason or another, we failed in the fourth. So I'm hoping we can build upon that. Um, and when we have those leads, finish the game. Um, and I think having some of those younger guys in the fold, bringing some energy to the locker room, um, I think we, we're probably going to see him pop out the right way. I do think it's going to be his last season coaching the San Antonio Spurs next year and, and and I would be ecstatic if we let Becky Hammond um, take the role or take the lead role once Pop um, decides to hang it up. Um, but but just kind of sticking to basketball, from a free agency standpoint, um, who would you say is winning free agency? And who would you say is losing free agency <laughs> I mean, right now? winning is obviously the freaking Lakers, of course, because, I mean, and I'll, well, actually, I want to retract that. The Lakers are having a good free agency, but the Atlanta Hawks, good God. I mean, look at everybody that they're getting. I mean, Badanovich, Galinari. I mean, they drafted Skylar Mays. They even drafted the center from USC, whose name I have trouble pronouncing all the time. So, Kungwo. Yes, Kungu, I had him I on my board. I was really – when they took – they also – I mean, if you look at that roster, I mean – Jesus, you got Trey Young, Kevin Horder, you got Capella at center. You're gonna have Bogdanovich out there. I mean, wow, <laughs> the Hawks really just did a whole 360, and they look like they could be at least like a six seed in in the East. But losing, I mean, I and I mean, I don't really necessarily see. Anyone technically losing? I just see teams not really making that many moves. I mean, I want to say probably the uh, the if I had this, I had probably the Hornets because I mean, haven't really seen them make a move outside of uh, Gordon Hayward. But Gordon I, Gordon Hayward's play has actually kind of started to drop the past couple of years. I mean, I know he's dealt with injuries, but who doesn't? So it's just like. I'm going to maybe go with the Hornets, possibly. I, I mean, I can't really give a firm loser because, I mean, it just doesn't really seem like anybody is technically losing. But you are. Yeah. Yeah, I would say 
you know, I think I would have to agree with you in terms of the the Hawks um, winning frequency right now. I mean, I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. And um, just kind of going into the season, you know, members around the fan base and even the organization was that, you know, no longer playing for picks. That's kind of the motto um, around that organization. No more, no longer playing for picks. You're playing for playoff seating um, and making a run. Um, you have a young core led by Trey Young. But obviously, John Collins, who I think if he doesn't get suspended for 25 games, they do make the playoffs. Uh, people forget that they were 5-20 and 20 in the 25 games without John Collins. And while he isn't seen as, a, as an elite defender, I think um, for them, until they got Capella, he was by far their best rim protector. Um, and he's, he's also a guy that can, that can stretch the floor out of Wake Forest. So I love watching him. He's also a high flyer. So him and Trey have already developed some chemistry. And it's good to see GM Travis Slink actually start to put some players around um, those two. Um, obviously starting with Clint Capello, who didn't get to play when he got on because of COVID and everything like that. Um, but the, I'm not the highest on the Danilo Gallinari signing. Um, I like Danilo. He's a, he's a great player. Um, and I think he's a guy that's a veteran that can, you know, show you some some leadership. Uh, I love the, the Bogdan Bogdanovich signing, just another young guard, uh, somebody that can stretch the floor uh, for Trey Young. But also, uh, you know, sometimes in Sacramento, he was asked to to handle ball handling duty. So he's also a guy that can make plays for himself and others, which is something you love to do. See, uh, the biggest signing for them, obviously, was Rajon Rondo. Um, and, and while, you know, I think they still need to get another guard to kind of solidify that backup role because, you know, Rondo's probably going to still miss about 25, 30 games. That's just – it just happens. Uh, you just hope that you'll have him for a potential playoff run because playoff Rondo is no longer a myth, it's, but it is a legend. And so you do want to have him there for that potential playoff run, especially when you got, like I said, Trey Young and John Collins um, both in their primes. Um, so I, I'm excited as a season ticket holder. I'm excited for them. I think they had a great um, free agency period, especially because, you know, this was their second year in a row coming in with a lot of money. And I remember last year, the general manager, he was kind of saying, you know, we didn't do a lot of big spending because just because you have the money doesn't mean you just have to spend it recklessly. And so um, it's kind of a, a good thing. He didn't do that last year but he was able to make some solid pickups this year. Uh, I do love the Scholar Mays pickup for the Hawks. Um, again, he's a he's another big, big guard you can put next to Trey. And, and, and I said it in my last episode, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him as a starting two guard because uh, that still hasn't been solidified. Um, Bogdan might, might take that now since he's signed on because um, he – he didn't really care for coming off the bench in Sacramento, so I would think he wants to start. But I could see, you know, Skylar Mays playing big minutes as a defensive guy, mostly a 3-and-D guy that could help Trey Young out and, and help, you know, hide him a little bit. Um, you also have, um, you know, Hunter um, at the small forward position. I think he's still going to be the, the, the starting small forward. Just, again, as a 3-and-D guy, you need those in the league. Um and you need some guys that can that can get some stops. It's great to have offense, but if you don't have anybody, you know, that can cover, you know, anyone, you're not going to win games. You're definitely not going to make the playoffs, even if you're an Eastern Conference team. Um, 
So I, said, I would agree with you that the Hawks, I would say at least if they're not the winners, they're they're in the running for being a winner um, in the free agency. And they still have a lot of money to spare because um, they could be making a run for a Bradley Bill as well. So you never know. Um, as far as losing, um, you said you said the Hornets. I actually liked, um, you know, their free agency are because in the sense of they're getting they could be getting out of the platoon contract. Um, they could be getting Gordon Hayward. I think thirty million dollars is a lot, but he's still a serviceable guy. Averaged seventeen points a game last year. Um, he's also a guy that can do a lot of things without the ball. He doesn't need the ball to be effective. Um, and you know they could be doing the sign and trade with the um, with the Celtics, so they could be giving uh, getting rid of another big contract if possible. Um, but I would say honestly, I would say the the Clippers are losing, and I would say they're losing for two reasons: one, because of who they've lost. Um, you know, losing um, Montrez Harold is going to be big for them. I mean, he was the he's the reigning sixth man of the year. Um, he was second in um, bench scoring to Dennis Struder. And, you know, he he brought that toughness that they needed in that locker room, I would say. Um, but, you know, while they lost, they didn't really gain. I mean, yes, they got Marcus Morris, but mm, was he really worth all of that money? Um, you know, you have to think about who you're going up against to win a championship. And, and to me, Marcus Morris, for them, isn't a guy I look at and say, hey, yeah, he was that that missing link. I think you have to take care of your own first. And so, you know, Montrez said he didn't feel like they wanted him back. I think that's a bit of a stretch because um, you don't take, you know, less than your market value to go to the Lakers because he could have went to any team he wanted to for much more um, than the nine, nine or ten million he's getting to be a Laker. Um, but you also you're hearing murmurs about Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams being shipped off um, more so Patrick Beverly um, because of his contract. He has two years, about 28 million left on his deal. Whereas um, Lou is just making 8 million. It's going to be hard to replace that type of production, but you know, you lost, you lost your, one of your best um, six men last year. You're probably going to lose arguably the best six man, uh, greatest six man in the history of the sport. Which I would, you know, for me, it's it's Manu Ginobili or um, um, a guy Kevin McHale. Those are guys that that I would say uh, take that take that award. But still, you know, losing that discussion. And so you might you're probably going to lose him. Uh, you're probably going to lose uh, Patrick Beverly, who's a tenacious defender. While yes, he does miss a lot of games, kind of like Rondo. Um, he's a guy that you want to go to war with every chance you can get. So um, for me, the Clippers are losing mainly because they're losing players but not adding any other type of value. Um, and so I'm interested to see what they do um, because I don't think this um, this load management with Kawhi is going to go away anytime soon. He does have a degenerative injury, uh, regardless of what him and his uncle Dennis want people to believe. It's an injury that's never going to heal. And so he's going – so he's never going to give you 82. He's going to give you about that 60, 65 games a year. And that's just how it's going to have to be for him to stay healthy um, long-term for playoff runs. Um, obviously, 
you know, Paul George is still there. They still have a good team, but I don't know if they have a championship team anymore, not in the Western Conference, especially with everybody getting better and loading up. But um, but I would say, you know, I would agree with you as far as winners. I'd go Hawks. Um, and as losers, um, I, I'd go Clippers over Hornets right now uh, just because of thinking about who they lost and who they're gaining. And so they, they've lost more, in my opinion, than they've gained thus far. But – I like the points that you're making. I really do. It's just the Clippers, when they they lost Harold, they did sign Ibaka, if I'm not mistaken, which I mean, I think Ibaka is a better player, sort of, in a way, than Montrez Harold. Harold just was great at defense. I got to say that. A great mid-range shooter, great rebounder, but Ibaka can shoot the three. And I mean, he could do all that Harold can do, but maybe a tad bit better. But Abaka is just a tad bit older. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I mean. I mean, you know, no disrespect, He's but Abaka isn't the guy he used to be. And, and you know, he averaged fifteen off the bench for the the Raptors last year. But it's it's just a different ball game, you know. Over in the Eastern Conference, the only true bigs you have are. Is really Joel and B. He's pretty much the only dominant force. But now you're, you're coming to the lands of, of the Giants. You have to deal with AD. You have to deal with Jokic. You have to deal with LaMarcus Aldridge. You have to deal with Zion now. I mean, this is going to be night after night. Where does he match up? Because he's not, while he's improved immensely offensively throughout his career, um, in doing so, Ibaka has also lost some of that defensive edge that he used to have and that intimidation he used to have as a shot blocker. I would say he doesn't necessarily have that anymore. Um, and so, you know, also, like you said, he's he's a lot older than Trez. Trez is only 26 years old. And, and sometimes as a team, you know, you have to still build for the future. A team like the Los Angeles, Angeles Lakers, yes, they can build for the now. That's just kind of the M.O. of that organization. But a team like the Clippers, you have pretty much already mortgaged your future to Oklahoma City by giving away all of your draft picks. And now you're getting rid of a guy who could be a cornerstone for your organization because, you know, after this season, Kawhi Leonard could opt out of his contract as well as Paul George. And if both of those guys opt out, if if you don't win a championship this year, it's highly likely that Paul George will opt out. And it could be an even larger chance that Kawhi opts out. If you lose both of those guys, you've lost your picks for the next seven, eight years. You've lost the young talent in Montrez Harrell. Um, you traded away a sharpshooter. His name escapes me right now, but they, they traded away um, right. Shemette, Landry Shemet. Landry Shemet. They traded him away. So – Young guys that you could have built built around, they're gone. And so now you have to start all the way from the beginning. Um, and as much as I love Ty Lue, he is not that type of coach. You saw that in, in Cleveland when they were devoid of talent based off of getting rid of young players and picks to appease LeBron James, who was in win-now mode. They got rid of Kyrie Irving, and they weren't able to win. Um, and so he wasn't able to take care of a rebuilding team, nor should he have to. And, 
you know, the Clippers are already going to be little brother. I, I mean, even if they won a championship this upcoming season or the next, they're still going right. to be the Lakers' little brother. And so, you know, is it going to be worth it? If, especially if you don't win, if you mortgaged everything. Because um, you saw that, um, you know, Toronto, when they had a choice, they could have mortgaged their future. They could have got rid of Pascal. They could have got rid of um, Van Vliet to bring in like a Russell Westbrook or a Paul George to Toronto. Um, and Masai Jerry said, no, I'm not going to mortgage my future. I got my rank. Um, these are young guys. We want. We know we want to build around the future. And, and while they lost Kawhi, you know, they still were a top three, four seed in the East. And they had a chance. Um, but I think Kyle Lowry dealing with some injuries kind of hurt them. But they're going to be back in the thick of it in the Eastern Conference uh, playoff picture as well. So, you know, sometimes you have to make that make that choice. Um, but, but we're almost we're almost we're almost out of time. And, and one thing I wanted to, to make sure I, w- I wanted to hear from you, um, you know, I know sports is running through your blood, man. And the ability, you know, I tell you this all the time, your ability to talk sports is a gift that most don't have. Um, so I know you're, you know, trying to be, you know, sports reporter, sports anchor. And, and just kind of wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about that journey. You know, you know, what, what is it like? Um, what's the feeling that you have when you're we're sitting behind that desk um, and the camera's on you? Just talk a little bit about that experience you had at the Southeastern Channel and, and what you're hoping to to have in your professional Wow, I mean, when I first got to college, I didn't think I was ever going to be on camera. I really didn't. I mean, growing up, I mean, seeing people on TV, that was just like fairy tales. Like, these people or millionaires, they're all on camera. I mean, there's no way in hell I'll ever be able to be on camera. I mean, look at me. Then I get to college and chose my major to be, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Didn't know I was going to have to be on camera at first, but because, I mean, I've never been on camera in my <laughs> life. But uh, then getting to the channel, I think in, I want to say in 2017, started as a volunteer. I wasn't on camera at all work my way up to finally be a paid worker over there then i got to be one of the the anchor threes on the show and i mean of course there's a saying in sports because i mean i've been playing ball since i was 11 there's a thing called the pregame jitters and right before i went on i mean i'm sitting there at the desk in my suit and everything i mean i'm thinking to myself wow i'm really about to be on live tv and i have the pregame jitters and i mean I get on that and it was just like, wow, I really just was on TV. I couldn't believe it. And just talking about it, I mean, everything was basically kind of scripted. I mean, of course, I don't really like being my keeping myself scripted because, I mean, I like to go off script a lot, as people know. But being in front of a camera, I mean, was just very odd at first because, I mean, it was new to me, but I enjoyed it. Because, I mean, I'm like, wow, I'm, I could really do what these people I see on ESPN and NBC have been doing my whole life that I never thought I would get to do. But then uh, I started working my way up. I finally started getting more TV time, started doing more things over there. And then here I am now. I've done graduated. I'm out here looking for a job still. And, I mean, of course. The only thing really keeping me sane is watching all these sports happen. I mean, especially in a time like this, I mean, there's nothing else really we can do, especially during a pandemic. So just 
talking about sports has kind of always been my thing. I mean, I remember when we I was a kid that we, I was playing ball with my best friend on the corner. And I remember we had to be at least like 10, 11 years old. I know it was after Katrina. And he literally told me, he's like, dude, you ought to be like a sports like announcer or something when you get older because, I mean, you're really good at that. And then talk back to modern day, we are probably in the month of like maybe – February and I was on I was in an Xbox Live party with him and we was talking about I was, we was talking about the future like for my future and he was like dude I remember the first time I knew you could probably do this when we was kids he was like Cause I really think you could be like another Adam Schefter I mean they used to joke around saying Skip Bayless but I mean I'll take that but I mean <laughs> it just I mean I remember the first day I kind of had a feeling I knew I wanted to do this is when I think it had to be Probably 2006, there was this paint store opening up in Slidell, and Bobby Bear was signing autographs, and my dad took me. And I remember literally conversing with Bobby Bear, literally telling him all these stats of these players that we just got, like Vilma and all this other st- stuff. No, it had to be in 2009, around there. Around that, around 2009, I remember talking to him and everything. And then this, when it kind of just hit me, I kind of really knew I wanted to do this with my life. So... I mean, now that I'm struggling to find work, I mean, I'm literally kind of begging people to kind of like maybe give me an interview because, I mean, I'm seeing everyone else that I kind of work with who I, who my friends that I work with at the channel get these jobs. And like, I'm the last one. I mean, we all graduated in May and people that I work with have been having these jobs since like July, September. I mean, they're getting hired like it's nothing. And I'm over here. I've applied to like over damn near like a hundred and twenty something places and I'm getting turned down for whatever reason. And I mean, I'm having to find different ways to kind of get people to help me. Cause I mean, I've none of my connections have really been able to find anything for me. So, I mean, I have to email professors to see if they know any openings and anything like that. Cause I mean, I really do want to like get to work. And I want to do this because I mean, how do how am I going? How are people going to know like how good I am if they don't really like put me out there? It's kind of exactly, man. and you know, and that's one of the reasons why I want to have you on here. And you know, if anybody's listening, and for those that are listening, Logan, um, tell the folks what they would be getting. If they had a, a position available, tell the folks what they would be getting. One thing I really pride myself in, especially in doing stuff like this, is I'm a grinder. I really am. You know, I mean, I love the grind. I mean, whether it's like in a sports sense, whether it's like doing weight room stuff or just training and stuff like that. But in this sense, I mean, I will do whatever I can. If, I, if there's not an answer, I will do whatever I can to find one. And if there's not a story, that people don't like, I will literally try to find one that people will like and be interested in. I mean, this is just something I love to do. I mean, you're not getting somebody that just wants to do this just to sit there on TV or anything. I actually love what I, I mean, I'm just a hardworking individual. I really pride myself in that. And I mean, I feel like I'm a charismatic guy. You'll love my charisma on the camera, but I, you're really just going to get yourself just a really hardworking individual and a very likable guy in the work in the 
in the office. I really pride myself on being likable, having a good work ethic, all that. I mean, I really think if people give me the op- if I got the opportunity, whoever gives me the first opportunity won't regret it, and everyone else who didn't give me that will regret it. That's the type of person I am. Whoever doesn't give me the opportunity will regret it. Definitely, man. Definitely, man. Um, and like I said, you, you you live, breathe, eat sports. And so you know, I know how much this means to you. I know how much you know and how much of a student of the game, of sports in general you are. And so it's always a pleasure um, hearing you speak about it, man. You know, um, like I said, you gave me into podcasts. That was, that was one of the best things that could have ever happened. Um, you know, being able to to share and talk to people, you know, that's something I never thought I'd be able to do. But you know, um, was happy you you wanted me to part, be a part of that journey, and so definitely wanted to have you on, man, to tell you thank you for that. And so you know, just how you you know you helped me grow as a guy, you know, speaking and everything like that. You know, continue to you know improve on you. That job is going to come. That opportunity is going to come. And all that matters is that when it exactly. comes, uh, you're ready for it. And so, you know, you know, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure having you on, man. Got to <laughs> got to relive those those double vision days. And so we're definitely gonna to have to to do this again and get back to, you know, talking a few sports, you know, um, when some more uh, spectacular things are happening. And I hope, you know, the next time you speak um, about anything, I'm going to hear about this great opportunity you've gotten uh, to show the world what I already know, that you're one of the best sports anchors out there. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, <man. laughs> so, yeah, with that, man, again, thank you for being on. For all my agents of respect out there that's been listening, you know, um, love having you all on this journey with me as well. And, and definitely, man, um, if you guys know of any opportunities, you know, hit me up on at but disrespect on Twitter. Let me know so I can share it to my boy. Um, Logan, tell them what your Twitter handle is, man, how they can get a hold of um, some so of your highlights or some of your reels and everything like that. Is actually, I mean, I put like a good bit of it on my actual Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at the soul man 57 and soul is spelled. S O U L, like as in like a soul or like a soul music. So, Soulman57 is my Twitter, and I have some of my, a good minute and 20 something seconds of my demo reel pinned as my pinned tweet on my Twitter. You'll see it. That's the first thing you'll see on my profile. So, that's Soulman on Twitter. You can hit Logan up there if you want to hit me up, obviously, at But Disrespect on Twitter as well, you know. Or let us know what you think of this episode. Let us know about any opportunities you might have because uh, my boy does deserve to be on the screen. And, you know, before I leave, like I always say, if there was anything, if there was anything that I said that might have offended you, it's always, to me, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. But it's an even bigger opportunity for you to teach me. And all I ask is that you keep it 